Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to this virtual cool kids table. Uh, I say it every time I started this show now five and a half years ago so that I could have access to really smart people who are doing cool things because I know one thing is always going to be true in good times and in bad. Success leaves clues. So I started interviewing people so that I could have access and along the way, share it with the audience as people kind of tell their personal journeys of entrepreneurship and then the advice that they have for others who want to get into this entrepreneurial sphere, if you will. And today I'm kind of excited because I have a new friend. I've never met him before, but uh, recently I had breakfast. Well, recently, meaning like four months ago, I had breakfast with somebody here in town who is a serial entrepreneur uh, CEO who I really admire. And her name is Elizabeth. Davis and she gave me a copy of a book called Traction and she actually does training under the entrepreneurial operating system that was invented by a gentleman named Gino Wickman. Now his book is sort of designed for companies that have employees and more stuff going on. I am a true solopreneur but I read the book and was able to garner so much stuff as I made my plan for 2020 that I got really excited and one of the things I do when I discover someone new is I say hey would you be a guest on my show and Gino said yes. Uh, He also sent me a copy of his brand new book, Entrepreneurial Leap, which blew my mind. It was so good. And so I doubled down, got him on the show, and he's with us today. And I'm really excited about what he's going to share. So Gino, his life is all about helping entrepreneurs. Uh, He's helped tens of thousands of people through his entrepreneurial operating systems. His five books have sold over a million copies. And he just seems like a cool guy. So, Gina Wickman, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't like to read these bios that like your your team sends me in advance. So, why don't you just take a minute, give me a little bit of background of, of your sort of business life, if you will, and uh, what you do today. You bet. Uh, fast version is I've been an entrepreneur since I was 21 years old. I took over a family business at 25 did a big turnaround, turned it around in three years, ran it for seven years. We successfully sold it. I stayed on for a year and a half to transition in the leadership team from Virginia and then kind of retired from the company, for lack of a better term. During that experience, I got involved in uh, the Young Entrepreneurs Organization, now known as the Entrepreneurs Organization, and was also and have been a student in Dan Sullivan's Strategic Coach Program. And that's where I really found my calling. And so I'm here to help entrepreneurs get everything they want from their businesses. And so then I took a leap to do just that 
After five years, put the finishing touches on creating EOS and the entrepreneurial operating system. I then wrote Traction. And then shoot forward 20 years later, we have almost 100,000 companies running on that system. And two years ago, I sold that business. And I'm now moving on to my next passion and mission. And that's to help a million entrepreneurs in the making get a huge jump start on taking their entrepreneurial leap. And so that's the lightning fast version of 30 years in business. Well, I'm one of them because I've become a student of everything that you're teaching. And it, uh, it's it's simple. And yet it's like, duh, smack me upside the head. Yeah. So you kind of came into this entrepreneurial journey, though, uh, not by accident. Your, your dad was an entrepreneur and you sort of grew up in the business. So your dad's actually a Hall of Fame speaker. I'm a real active member of, of the National Speakers Association. So what was what was it like growing up with kind of a, uh, a dad who was this really driven entrepreneur who grew such a big company? Yeah, well, my dad, Floyd Wickman, is the man. <laughs> so uh, one of my greatest mentors. And so what was it like? Well, for starters, I moved nine times by the time I was 10 years old. <laughs> so it's pretty wild and crazy being the son of an entrepreneur. And he is just a pure entrepreneur, what I call a visionary. And it was a blessing to be able to work with him as his partner and integrator and turning that business around and, and, and saving that business. So it's, it's wild and crazy. I mean, he is just a pure, true entrepreneur and has had successes and failures. And that led to some of those moves. But as he kind of climbed his way up to the top, um, you know, each one of those things was a move. And, and I, my mom is incredibly supportive of all of his moves and she just kind of went with the flow. And so wild and crazy is the best way I can summarize what it's like. So did you ever go and have a, a corporate job or did you always work for the family business? No, no, I, I never had a corporate job, but what I, I never went to college. I knew it wasn't for me as my friends all went off to college. I knew there was something different about me than them and didn't know what it was. I actually went to work in a machine shop, uh, worked there for three years, saved up a bunch of money and then took my entrepreneurial leap and tried a bunch of different things, lost all of my money and found myself in the real estate industry. Uh, I started investing in real estate, decided to get my license uh, because other agents were making the commission. I figured I'd make that commission. And um, about a year into that, I realized what it was that my dad did and what he created, which was the number one real estate sales training program in the industry. And I then jumped in with both feet and learned his training, became a very successful real estate agent. And then once I realized what his company did, um, I wanted in and I set a goal for myself to become the president of his company, unbeknownst to him. And he did not want his kids in the business. And so it was actually his business partner who was my trainer uh, and, and mentor who convinced my dad to let me into the business. And I started at the bottom selling his products door to door, went from making a six figure income to 25 grand a year, went broke again. But uh, it got me in the door and I worked my way up. Within a year and three months, I had taken over the company once I realized it was in dire straits and in desperate need of a turnaround, and I felt I could save it. And, and you did. I think that's awesome. Um, so I, I don't know how old you are, but you're somewhere around my age. And I will tell you that in our age group, there wasn't a lot of people who said college isn't for me. I think it's a little more common now. I think amongst the millennials, this entrepreneur uh, uh, drive is allowed to be up front. But yeah. back, you know, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, maybe this was the 1980s or somewhere around there. It wasn't as common. So, I mean, what was it like to be that one guy who said, yeah, that's not for me? Yeah. So, I, so I'm 52, just oh, to answer so, your question. So, and it so was we're, a year, we're a year apart. I'm 53. Yeah. 
And it was 1985 when I graduated high school. And you're 100 percent right. You know, and so I was a mislabeled derelict. <laughs> uh, I was terrified, insecure, completely lost. But I just knew I could not wait to get out of academia. And in high school was nothing but a party. I graduated with a solid 2.3 uh, GPA and uh, just couldn't wait to get on with life. At the same time, I had very big goals. You know, um, you know, I would tell my friends by the time I'm 25, I'm going to be making at least 50 grand a year. And, you know, and that was a lot back then. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I exceeded that greatly, uh, at least doubled that goal. And um, and so it was just it was weird and odd. But I just knew my gut was screaming at me that that normal path that everyone was being sent down was not the path for me. So, I mean, I relate to that because I think I felt the same way. I think I always wanted to do it, but I didn't have the, the, the guts or the drive or the example of having this, you know, crazy entrepreneurial parents. Uh, my dad worked for an insurance company for, you know, 40 years and retired with a gold watch. Um, and I always wondered, how does one do that? And never did it. So I, you know, I went to college and, you know, was in a fraternity and did sort of everything that was sort of stereotypical 80s college and, you know, mm -hmm. first job type stuff. Uh, and it took me until I was 40 to actually figure it out. So in a way, I hear your story and I'm like, oh, I wish I knew you back then. We're only a year apart in age. Yeah. And the reality is it was probably 29 years old when I was 29 is when I really realized what I was because, you know, I did kind of bump along. So, again, something in my gut was screaming that there's a different path for me, but it, it did not become crystal clear until age 29. So what advice do you have for someone who's listening who relates to this part of the story that we're bantering about, that they feel that they have this drive? What yeah, advice well, would you give them? That's exactly why I wrote the book. And this, you know, it, it, this isn't you teeing up a great book pitch. So, <laughs> oh, so actually, so actually it is me teeing up a great book pitch. <laughs> Thanks. So, so, but barring the book, um, I, you know, this, I wrote this book because of a great saying by Daniel Kennedy, who's also a Hall of Fame speaker in the National Speakers Association, who says, we teach what we needed the most. And so I wrote this to teach my 18-year-old self. And so I wrote this to teach that person that you just asked about. So this person that just has this feeling that they are different, thinks that they might be an entrepreneur in the making. I wrote this book so that they can decide for themselves as early as possible so that they know. And so I wish I would have had this at 18 because I would have been so much further ahead and it would have saved me, you know, 11 years of anguish. And the other reality is, you know, whether you're 15, 25, 35 or 55, you can always take the entrepreneurial leap. And so even if you're 45 and you've been in the corporate world and um, you're now displaced or laid off or you're just going out of your mind, you know, you're probably an entrepreneur in the making. And this book is going to help you really get clear and confirm that you are and show you a path to become why you were put on the face of this earth. And I just want to clarify, the book is called The Entrepreneurial Leap because he does have four other books. And the book that we're talking about is this new one, The Entrepreneurial Leap. And I wish I had it in front of me. I, I have it here in the house somewhere. But uh, I read it. One of the things you do in the book is you sort of say, maybe this isn't for you. And I love that because I, I occasionally, this is what I do for a living, but I occasionally get asked to come and speak about, should we start a podcast with, for like speakers and coaches and consultants? And my answer is maybe, 
Maybe not. And it's always funny because I'll speak to an audience. I spoke to a couple of NSA chapters, uh, National Speakers Association chapters about this concept of should a speaker have a podcast? And 50% of my message or 40% of my message was maybe the answer is no. And audience members were like, wow, we've never had anyone come in here and tell us not to do something. They're usually trying to to sell us a program to, to do it. And I'm like, oh no, unless you're committed to the podcast, unless you're willing to realize it's going to take three to five years before real traction comes in, you know, this may not be the medium because it takes a lot of work. You got to reach out to Gino. It took two months to get him on the show. Then you've got to do it. And the world changes in the meantime. Uh, if you're not into all that, a podcast isn't for you. And when I read your book, I laughed because I thought, God, I love the way he writes because it's exactly what I do with that class that, yeah, this could suck. Don't do it. So let's talk about that. Some of your message is maybe not. Yeah, here, here. And it's, it is completely counterintuitive because frankly, what I'm doing is everything in my power to talk you, whoever that audience member is that's listening out of becoming an entrepreneur, you know? So right now everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. It's the new rock star and, and most aren't. And so I, it's, it's a cautionary tale. It's not all it's cracked up to be. And so I write the book in three parts, confirm, glimpse, and path. And so that whole first third confirm is about talking you out of it, helping you understand that a true entrepreneur has six essential traits, taking you through an assessment to see if you do and begging you to be honest with yourself as to do you really have these six essential traits because you need to have all of them. You are born with them. They can't be taught. And assuming you do, then the journey begins and I take you to glimpse and path. But again, I'm spending that first third trying to talk you out of it. Because if you're not, if you don't have these six essential traits, you are going to be miserable and you're going to fail. And so I, I feel like I'm doing a service, quite frankly. Can we talk a little bit about what those traits are? Absolutely. So there are six of them. So high level, I call them visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. So it's interesting because when I when I read the book, I was extremely honest and I had all six, but a couple of them, I was sort of what you'd call like a trait light. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it sort of scared me. I'm like, no, I have that, but I don't have it the way you were describing it. Uh, and I realized that there's a couple of them I have to sort of light the fire under. Now, the other four I felt I had pretty strongly and I took the assessment and I felt good, but uh I, I think I, I have visionary traits, but I don't think I've cultivated them right. I don't think I was raised or taught in the traditional school to really cultivate them. So they're there. I just have to grasp a hold of them a little bit better. And then the other one was I used to not be a risk taker. Uh, yet when I turned 50, I sort of reinvented myself a little bit and I swore I was going to make age 50 to 75 the best years of my life. And I had a pretty good life. So that was a big challenge. And one of the big things is I started saying yes to things that scared me. So in my personal life, it was things like jumping off the stratosphere or going zip lining. Uh, I took up stand up comedy as a part of try new things and push yeah. myself out of the thing. So the risk taking one and in my business, I've started taking more risks too. that one. I've gotten, I've gotten my hands around, but the visionary one, I got to figure out how to light that fire. So I'm now, I'm now five for six with the other one being a half C. <laughs> well here, this would be helpful. I think for you and your listeners. Uh, so there's something I teach in the book called the entrepreneurial range that really helps, you know, 
your audience, the reader, understand what we're talking about here. And so we're talking about true entrepreneurs and we're talking about these six essential traits and somebody that possesses them, redlines them, is, is truly a true entrepreneur. And so the entrepreneurial range works like this. If you picture a kind of an arc or a spectrum on the left side of that arc is what I call self-employed. And on the right side of that arc, I call true entrepreneur. And so if you picture that range um, the left side, the self-employed person, that, those are the one-person shows, the solo entrepreneur, the person with the side hustle, and, and you know the, the freelancer. And there's no shame in that. But that's somebody who's self-employed, but really hasn't fully taken that entrepreneurial leap to become a true entrepreneur. On the far right side, that true entrepreneur, these are the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, Walt Disney, Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, Sarah Blakely. And so everyone who's self-employed is somewhere on that spectrum. You are somewhere on that spectrum and there's no bad answer, but this book and this content is written for the people on the right half of that range. And, and so maybe that will kind of help understand that context because there's you don't have to have all six essential traits to start a side hustle, to, to, to be a freelancer, to have a one-person show. Is that help? Right. And that's, I mean, I, I have a one-person show because of what I've chosen to do. I mean, there's, I, I, I have no desire to grow something like you and your dad did with a giant training company. So part of it is I'm restricted by what I want to do. The second thing is, is I have a couple of those things where I've been a little light on. So I fall a little bit more to the left, but as I'm getting older in the last three years, I'm seeing myself trying to figure out how do I creep it? So can people creep a business from the left to the right? Well, you, a person can creep a business when you say from the left to the right i would I, I would separate those two contexts because what i would suggest is if you're someone who doesn't fully have the six essential traits and you're more cut out to have a one-person show i'd urge you to be honest with yourself and just excel as a one-person show and that's and i really believe you know, you're the embodiment of that because i believe you make a pretty damn good living doing what you do as a one-person show um, and so, you know, a YouTube personality, a speaker, there's so many ways to do this. There's no shame in that. So now we go to the other end of the spectrum and we separate that context. Somebody who redlines these six essential traits, it's almost impossible for them not to build some kind of an empire that puts a huge dent in the universe with lots of people. So I don't know if that answers your question or helps, but that's, and so my point there is, you know, if you're, if you don't have the six essential traits, I would be concerned about you creeping into building a thousand person organization, if that makes sense. Right. And it's not my desire at all, but exactly. But the one thing I want to do is, is grow my little solo, my little solo empire as, as best I can. And while you wrote the book for the people on the right, I learned a lot from the book, even if I stay in the lane that I'm in. Here, here. And again, what I keep saying over and over is there's no shame in whichever place you pick on that range. It's all admirable. And, you know, it's, it's like I think about a, you know, like a handy man or a handy woman. Like these times, it's incredible because if you're pretty handy, you can go become self-employed, charge $50 an hour, fixing, repairing, doing things like that, and have, be making 100, 200 grand a year and have this wonderful self-employed business. So there's no shame in that. There's, there's incredible opportunity. It's just, again, that person's probably not going to build a 250-person organization. Sure. 
So actually, I'm not going to let you go for a while because I got about a bazillion questions for myself and the listeners. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time, boom, and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Gino Wickman. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of the listeners do because you reach out and tell me that you want to, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Gino, we're recording this at the end of March, 2020, and people could be listening to this at the end of March or first of April, or they could be listening to it three years from now. However, the end of March, we are in the middle of the first days. We're a week into sort of this self-imposed quarantine around COVID-19, the coronavirus, uh, and it's going to have big effects on our economy. I am convinced not just the speaking and meetings business, which was the first to be hit. I mean, I, I speak at large conferences and before any of my friends saw anything going wrong in society, my business was evaporating. Large conferences were being canceled three, four weeks ago. And I literally over the last three weeks watched like nine events over three months just go into the into the universe. But now everybody's home. Uh, I have people in a variety of businesses who are entrepreneurs who are laying people off this week. It's only the second week. I think there's going to be a long haul. Now, the way I got into having my own business and being a solopreneur is I got laid off on April 1st, 2009, the bottom of the recession. And I said, I'm going to follow my dream and go do this. And I've been able to do it for 11 years. But I think there's going to be a lot of people who suddenly see their employment evaporate. And this entrepreneur road, whether it's a solopreneur or this redlining entrepreneur you speak of, it's going to be an option for a lot of people. What advice do you have for people as we move through what I don't know how long it's going to be, but there's going to be a recession. I know one thing, though, and that is every recession has been followed by a boom. So there are times ahead that will be good. What advice do you have for people who find themselves jumping into entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's great. And you and I are very much of the same mindset. So I won't repeat anything you said because <laughs> I agree with you. But I will go into this with this kind of big picture thinking. You know, if we just look at a hundred years of history, we could look at a thousand years of history, but let's just look at a hundred years of history. Um, you know, we've had times like this, we have crises, we've survived them, and I hope and trust that we will survive this one as well. But my point in this is when we have these scary, uncertain times, you're right. I mean, these times spawn many great new entrepreneurs. And I believe, you know, over the next six to 12 months, we're going to spawn many great new entrepreneurs. Uh, on that note, uh, today, literally, when I finish this podcast, um, I'm shooting a video and we're launching what we call the 16-day Entrepreneurial Lead Challenge because there are people that are obviously at home, social distancing, twiddling their thumbs. They've got a lot of time on their hands. And what I want to do is help to spawn these entrepreneurs because we need them. The other reality is the, they're the ones that create the new idea, the new solution. Uh, this world right now needs more entrepreneurs, innovators, visionaries. And so you're exactly right. This is going to spawn uh, entrepreneurs, many great new ones. And so my advice is, 
you know, to lean into this. My advice is if you think you might be one, you know, certainly take the 16-day challenge. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, the, I've got free tools on the website. You can take the assessment for free. The first 30 pages of the book are free. The, the 16-day Leap Journal Challenge is free. So I've got nine free tools on that website, e-leap.com, to really help you do some soul searching, especially right now when you have some time to figure out if this is right for you. And I also hope during that 16-day challenge, there are lots of light bulbs that are going to go off for people uh, that are really going to, you know, potentially someone listening to this podcast is going to be that person that has that next great idea uh, that's going to help us all out. So the website around this new book is e-leap.com. And what is your main website? E-leap.com is the main oh. is the main website for this project. Yes. Uh, GinoWickman.com is where you can kind of see everything that I have going on. Gotcha. So uh, this 16-day challenge, so this podcast won't come out for at least that long, probably about 21 days. Uh, but I'm as we talk, I'm trying to adjust my schedule to move it up closer. Is this <laughs> something, because I like you, I'm impressed with this. So we're bumping everybody and we're putting Gino up in sooner. Yeah. Um, my question to you is, is that 16-day challenge something that they can start at any point? Is that going to be a, an evergreen product that's there? Absolutely. You know, so as part of it's what's beautiful is it's already baked into the book. So once you read the book, then there's the opportunity that prompts you to download the Leap Journal. And so as part of the whole process after you read the book to help you take you deeper into this concept and content is to then do the 16 day challenge. So it's it was already there. And ironically, you know, it's funny how the world works and the universe works. It's very timely with what what's happening in the world oh, right now. With, with without question. So let's let's use me in as an example. I just steal free coaching from everyone who comes on this show. So <laughs> sure. For the short term, my business as I know it is is evaporated. It'll come back there. You know, live meetings. There's a lot of talk out there of people giving advice that, oh, everybody's going to try this virtual. They're going to love it. And live meetings are going to take a hit. They're going to die. Right. That's what we said when streaming came out 10 years ago. And everybody said, who would ever go to a South by Southwest again when you could sit in your pajamas and watch the speakers? Well, as you know, because you're in the in the, this world too, the meetings business grew over the last 10 years every single year. It got bigger and bigger and reached record highs. This year is going to take a hit, but as soon as it comes back, live people are drawn to be at live meetings. So I'm not worried that my business will come back, but it could be a while. And so let's use me as an example. Someone who has these traits, I may not be redlining all of them, but I have the traits and I have to reinvent what could the 16-day challenge do for me if I have to find maybe a new path, at least temporarily? Yeah, for sure. And I'll even, I want to go a little broader than this as well, because I don't want to make this answer in this coaching session you and I are about to do just about <laughs> the 16-day challenge. Okay. But I, and you literally prompted seven simultaneous thoughts with how you teed this up. So I'm going <laughs> to try and hit we, half we can, of them. We can go as long as you want. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I uh, first thing I want to respond to is what you said. You know, I do believe that, you know, there's going to be a shift in the world and how we function because of this uh, social distancing and everybody going virtual. But what's funny to me is, you know, it, all these people that never heard of Zoom. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I EOS Worldwide is the is the company that I built over the last 20 years. We have 350 EOS implementers a support team of about 40 people that support them. I sold that business two years ago. 
Um, and and I, I built it as a virtual company. And so we've been on Zoom for years. And so it's funny that people are just discovering this. And so my point in that is I do believe there's going to be a shift in an awareness and an aha around working remote, working virtual, things like that. But the reality of it is, I, I couldn't agree with you more. We are human beings at the end of the day, and there is something about connecting on a human level where we can touch and feel and see each other. And so, you know, I don't think that that's going away. I think it's going to be a, you know, a, a shift toward virtual and remote. Uh, but again, both are going to be incredibly valuable because, again, EOS Worldwide, the company I built with my partner, Don Tinney, it's this wonderful combination of virtual and meeting. We all come together, all of those implementers, every 90 days because we have to and because it makes us better. That's point one. Point two, you know, my advice to you in these crazy times is, and I'm just going to, I always, when I give advice, I just simply tell you what I do because I want to always speak from experience. I don't want there to ever be theory. And so the reality of it is um, when this really hit, my wife and I were in St. Lucia. And, and I gave myself permission while in paradise to enjoy the rest of paradise because I knew early Monday morning when I got home, I was coming home to holy hell. And I did. And so that's obviously this last seven days. Um, what I do and what I did and what I'm doing is I'm just simply talking to people and I'm helping people. And I'm making it all about them. And so my impassioned plea to you and everyone else out there that thinks they're an entrepreneur in the making, take the focus off you and focus on people. And, and you're going to see this incredible shift in your energy. Um, you're going to find yourself being more optimistic. And the other reality is you're going to get lots of ideas. And so for me, my it just gets my gears turning and their ideas on how to help people. And at the end of the day, you know, Joe Polish has this great quote that says, you know, entrepreneurs solve problems for a profit. I mean, that's really what it is at the end of the day. And again, this isn't all about making money. This isn't all about capitalizing on these tough times. But entrepreneurs at the end of the day, that's what they do. When, when there's a fire, they are the ones running into the fire while everybody's running away. And so if you'll just reach out, lean in, help people, be of service, you're going to have lots of light bulb moments, lots of ahas. And ideas are going to come to you because you, you know, with this visionary trait, that's one of the six essential traits, you just have this sixth sense. You're an idea machine. You're able to connect dots. You see things others can't see. And, um, and so that would be the second piece of advice or the second point. And the third thing is, you know, what I did immediately, I wouldn't say immediately, it was about four days into coming back from paradise, is I then hunkered down and I put in place a crisis plan. Um, you know, I like everyone else, I'm getting my ass kicked. You know, my speaking engagements too have canceled. And there are companies uh, that I own that pay distributions that are going to stop for a while. And, and so, you know, and, and the stock market, you know, has plummeted. And so I've gotten my ass kicked from that standpoint. And so what I did, hunkered down for a half a day. And what I do is I, I prepare for the worst and I plan for the best. And so I put in place the plan that if the worst happens, Here's what it looks like. Here's what's going to happen. I sat down with my wife. I showed her that plan. So she's prepared for it. And then I'm just leaning in, moving forward and executing my plan and certainly hoping and planning for the best. Uh, but I am prepared for the worst. The next point would be, um, and, and right now, you know, is, is 
not the greatest time to share this piece of advice, but I'm hoping that this will help 10 years from now when this happens again, okay? And so my business mentor taught me that in a 10-year business cycle, you're going to have two great years, six good years, and two terrible years that are going to put you potentially out of business. You know, that's so weird. I've been doing this for 11 years since I got laid off from the the marketing consulting job that I had. And I said, I'm going to be a speaker and a master of ceremonies. And if you look at that 11 years, I have had two, maybe three great years. Uh, and uh, kind of exactly what you said, that that is that is a shocking truth to my 10 years. Yeah. And so the reality of that is, My mentor taught me that almost 30 years ago, and it has now held true for three decades. Almost, it's scientific. And so the point is, this is coming again 10 years from now, whatever the this is and what it looks like. And knowing that, you need to be prepared for it. And so I've been teaching this to our implementers for almost 20 years now. The other thing I teach inherent in that, knowing that, is that your business is going to take a hit. And you must always have six months of dry powder, six months of cash. You as an individual, you need to personally have six months of living expenses socked away so that when these times happen, you are at peace, you're calm. And so all the implementers that listen to me, all the business owners that listen to me, they're pretty peaceful right now. Again, they're, they're, it's challenging. People are doing layoffs. Um, but it's great because the implementers I've talked to in the last seven days, they're saying, Gino, I took your advice and I'm peaceful and I'm expecting nothing to happen economically for the next 90 days. And so, you know, I get for the person that didn't prepare for that right now, listening to this is thinking, you know, horrible thoughts. But all I ask is, please know this is coming in 10 years and heed that warning. So that's, you know, you're asking for my advice Um, that's what I would do. And I think out of what I just shared with there, anyone with the six essential traits, you are going to have ideas and then certainly take the 16 day challenge. And that idea will help that that will help the idea bubble to the surface. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to sign up today. So by the time this airs, people can ask me a, if I did the whole 16 days, because we all know distraction is the enemy of all of us. Uh, and the second thing is, is that people uh, can ask me what I what I came from it. So feel free to email me and say, you know, was Gino worth his salt? I think the answer will be yes. Nice. And again, you can start that now because just go to the website, download that tool. You've already read the book because that's step one. You've got to read the book first and then you're going to see what it has you do. The next 16 days, 30 minutes a day, it's going to walk you through exactly what to do chapter by chapter and take you into a deep dive. All right. I'm, I'm making the pledge that for 16 days, I'm going to do it. Because let's be honest, what else am I going to do? <laughs> exactly. That's I, my point. You've got time. And how much Netflix and how many puzzles can you do you I, know, I, over I the did. next 16 days? <laughs> I did get a call the other day from somebody who was the, a large brand that is going to go ahead with their three-day conference all virtually. Although uh, in brainstorming with the meeting planner, she and I both agreed that they're not going to do three full days of streaming. They're going to do two, three and a half hour days and speakers aren't going to have hour long keynotes. They're going to have 15 to 20 minute keynotes, but they were looking for a host in between. And I have some experience doing that even virtually. So um, she said to me, would you be available these dates, the first of May, if we decide to go with you? And I don't know if they will or not, but my answer was oddly, yes. That, and, it, and it actually corresponded to dates I had blocked out for my daughter's wedding. And as it turns out, there's not going to be a wedding in May. So, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, this is this these impacts go deeper than business. My my daughter and fiance, I have to give them a shout out. They have been very good. Uh, you couldn't have imagined a twenty three and a twenty five year old to handle the fourteen month planning of a ski slope wedding to suddenly vanish uh, with a month, two months notice. Um, they're now planning a San Diego wedding uh, six months from now, hoping that our society will somewhat be back to normal and we could actually host well, I, gatherings. I would say, you know, kudos to you. That's great parenting there because you're right. I mean, 90% of the world could not respond to that like your daughter did. And uh, so kudos to that. That's that's very unusual. I, I'm very proud of her. And I can't say that I would always have said that she was one who uh, didn't overreact and deal with it. But when she got the call from the venue that said, this was a week ago before everything had shut down. The venue said, we're not going to be operating. Uh, she literally said, this is the call every bride dreads. But the world's got bigger problems than me. And she goes, and I love Thomas and he and I are going to figure it out. And, you know, but if we're going to do it in six months, we're not going to do it on a ski slope because there won't be any snow. So they're they're retooling their entire dream wedding. And she's like, I'll be damned. I'm still going to have a dream wedding. Kudos. And and to your point about virtual conferences, there are a ton of live conferences shifting to virtual right now. So that is a very common trend right now. And it's so fascinating. I mean, what a great way to just kind of evolve, shift, pivot, whatever word you want to use. Yeah, but the smart planners are realizing you can't do a three-day broadcast. It's This lady was right on top of it. Like, let's do two days, three hours, you know, make it what we can, get people engaged. Uh and, and it's true, even for like speaker, I don't know, we're going down a path, but even for speakers, you know, giving a speech in front of an audience of a thousand people is different than sitting on Zoom and talking into a little dot on the top of your laptop. And it's a whole other skill set. And fortunately, I've done a little bit of it. I'm hardly yeah. an expert, but. Yeah, I may be calling you because I know I have one potentially in the next two months that's going to shift to virtual and I might be doing exactly that. Well, so. I'll, I'll share you whatever tips I have. I'm not the expert, but uh, I'm, my motto is try new things. So what the heck? We, we try it, but you got trying new things. You got to plan. Here, so, here. so, Gino, I'm going to leave you with this. I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's really the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Uh what a great question, because I, you know, it's so funny. I, um, I am just a regular guy, pretty simple, you know, so when you say cool, I, I, when I look back at 20 years of what I built with EOS Worldwide, which is a really cool company and it's had an incredible impact on a lot of lives, you know, there's nothing about any day of those 20 years that I consider cool. You know, to me, it's just following a passion and executing every single day. And, and right now with this new project, the goal is to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making in the next 10 years. And, and I am just methodically executing a plan. I'm doing as many high quality podcasts as possible. I'm putting out one piece of video content every week and I'm joining forces with collaborators to get this content to their audiences and I just methodically do that every single day. And there's nothing cool about that. But I think it's going to create something really cool 10 years from now. And then the other little point is, you know, the clients I work with, people will say, you know, tell us about some of your cool clients. Well, my clients, you know, they're insurance companies, construction companies, <laughs> software companies, heating and cooling companies, auto dealers. And so there's nothing cool about them, but it's but they're all making such a huge impact on the world. So unfortunately, I don't have this great sizzly answer for you. And so hopefully there's something cool in that answer, but that's my answer. 
So my last two questions that I try to ask every guest. Number one, when you we could talk about you know EOS and Entrepreneurial Leap and Gino Wickman all day long because I think you're pretty cool. You got a seat at my cool kids table. Uh, <laughs> however, I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask people who come on the show, who do you think when you look at that entrepreneurosphere, who do you think she or he, they're doing the cool stuff? Hmm. Well, you know, if it, another way of looking at it is, you know, who are the entrepreneurs that I look up to or inspire me or my idols? Um, certainly my dad is one of those. You know, certainly if we go back in time and look at history, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, uh, but current day right here and now, um, Dan Sullivan, who is my coach and strategic coach, is an incredible thinker and uh, has built an amazing organization around helping entrepreneurs. And so I'd urge your audience to, you know, look at his stuff, which is really inspirational and great. Um, So, I mean, Dan would be at the top of my list right now. Awesome. Well, I think I don't know Dan personally, but I have a lot of friends who have worked with him and his reputation is freaking stellar. So kind of like your dad's people always go, oh, well, Floyd Wickman. So two, two great pieces of advice. And the final question I ask everybody is, you know, I think if we're fortunate and, and successful entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and, and, and business leaders, we're fortunate. And if you're fortunate, you got to find your way to give back somehow. I think it's more than just making money. So my final question for everybody is always, what do you do to serve the greater good? Mm, well, great question. Um, so I think three things pop into mind, you know, first and foremost um, is, is just helping friends and family when they need it or they are in crisis. And so I always make sure that I'm able to do that because, you know, it just happens, you know, life happens, especially in these crazy times. Number two is I, you know, donate to the charities. Uh, that are important to me, but also just give a lot of my time. Uh, and it's mostly helping entrepreneurs um, as much time as I'm able to give. And then the third and probably the biggest is this project, because this project I'm doing very, very different. I'm not looking to build an empire. You know, I'm not looking to build a multi-million dollar business again. I'm not looking to sell. Um, I I want to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making and I want to do it for free. And so all of this stuff is for free and online and worst case, you just need to buy a book, which I get a few bucks a copy yeah. is all I get out of that. You don't get and rich I, off. You don't get rich off of being an author. No. And, and so it's, it's a passion project. And so it's this because I want to spawn as many entrepreneurs as I possibly can. And I, and I, and I hope this content finds its way into inner cities and I hope it finds its way into Africa and I hope it finds its way in every corner of the earth because I call it the 4%. 4% of us are genetically encoded to do this and there are people that just don't realize this opportunity and sometimes they take the wrong path and they use their entrepreneurial skills uh, for bad and not good. And, <laughs> and so, so I really hope to find them wherever they are in the corporate world in the corner, in prison, in wherever they are, and just help them realize what they are so they can help make a huge impact on this world and solve the great problems of the world. 
Well, Gina Wickman, thank you for coming on to the show. Everybody go to e-leap.com to learn everything you can about the Entrepreneurial Leap. Take that 16-day challenge. Also, if you want to learn more about Gino, it's ginowickman.com. My special thanks to Elizabeth Davis for making the introduction to the book Traction and getting me a little bit excited. Uh, But then I always say I love the entrepreneurs when I reach out and say, be on my podcast, who just say yes. You don't know who I am. Uh, So thank you to you, Gino, for just making yes your answer to to sharing with my audience, because I think this show is going to be really impactful, especially in these really rough times that we're going through. I think that what you said today is going to have uh, a meaning and maybe two or three of those million people will come from this interview. So thank you very much, Gino. My pleasure. Hey, and thanks to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every show, if it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this? Uh, Like I said, I started the show for me to have access to people like Gino, but along the way, it's really become about the community. If you like the show, there's a Facebook page, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. There's a uh, uh, Twitter, at Cool Podcast. But if you like the show, uh, go and leave a review wherever you get your podcast love, be that Apple iTunes or Spotify or whatever, because reviews matter. Download the show, but most importantly, tell somebody. Everyone I talk to who listens to the show says, I heard about it through a friend. So before the day's over, tell a friend. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Gino Wickman. I know you're thinking, Tom, how is that possible? But we'll figure it out. But in the meantime, go out there, flex those entrepreneurial muscles. I think we need you in these crazy times to to figure that out. Make sure that your ladder is against the right wall for you. Nothing worse than climbing that wrong ladder and going, "Uh uh-oh, as you get near the top. And then while you're out there doing all that, Have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.